Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now, while we say Happy Mother's Day to people, I think about the crowd that's here. I see some of you that are mothers. I see some of you that are grandmothers. I see some of you that might be great-grandmothers. I don't know. You all look just so young. And then, of course, there are those who um, hope to be mothers someday. And so I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to you. On the other hand, though, I know that there are a lot more people that are listening to me that perhaps are not mothers, and today is not a Happy Mother's Day. And I I got thinking about those people that would not see Mother's Day as a happy Mother's Day. And the list really almost got too long. First of all, it could be those who are single, those that uh, think, will I ever get married so I could have children and be a mother. And then you have those that are married, but they're childless. And they've been praying for so long that God would bless them with a child and they still don't have a child. And so today is a hard day for them. And then there are those who have lost a child. Whether it was a grown child that was in war or violence or illness that have died or young, maybe stillborn, but they have lost a child, so they're thinking about that child today. Maybe a mother's here that it's a painful day because at the time they made the best choice they could because they loved that child so much, gave that child to someone else to rear because they know at that point in their life they couldn't do as good a job. So they still love their child. And then you have those that have lost a mother that are here today on Mother's Day, and their mind is going back to those times that they've had with their mom. And I was reading a recent survey in Hawaii, of all places, that they surveyed the people, what are the three greatest things mothers would really like to have? One was gifts, the other was me time, and the third one was just being around family. And maybe some of you just wish you could be around your mother again. And so today is a sad day for you. And then there are those that um, you're reflecting on an abortion that you had and all that went on. And then lastly would be those that are saying, how can I have a happy Mother's Day when I think about my mom? She wasn't a good mom. In fact, I was abused, neglected, or rejected by my mother. So I want you to know that while we're giving this message specifically to you ladies here on Mother's Day, and we're going to open up Scripture, I want you to know that I love you no matter what you've gone through, and I pray that my tone and my spirit and the words that I've chosen, that I will dip my arrows of truth in as much honey as possible as we then let them come out to you, and that even at the end of today, you could take something home. Now, with our crowd here, I know that we've got a bunch of men here, and so some of you might be thinking, man, I could sit on the sideline right now, or I wish it was like watching a television. We're going to hear a Hallmark message this morning, and I want to go to a sports channel or something. You may be thinking about that. But let me remind you that whether you're married or not, or single or single again, whatever that might be, that wouldn't we want to honor the Lord by loving others and particularly the ladies that are here today? And maybe some of the things that you might do would be to pray for them. Pray for yourself to know how to better honor women in your life. Maybe in some cases empower them where they need to be empowered. Carry some heavy loads for them. You know those types of things. Maybe just be alongside them when they have special needs that you can be there in an honorable and appropriate way. So in a sense, while my message is more directed to the uh, ladies that are here, I do want you men not to feel like you can disengage and check your phone and all of that. Listen in and say, Lord, help me to hear the message and what I could do to either affirm or help the woman in my life that you have placed in it for me. I might also say that this section of Scripture that we're studying in Titus, it's Titus chapter 2. It's actually a letter that was written in a very special way 
to a person by the name of Titus. He was a pastor on the island of Crete. The island of Crete was kind of a swashbuckling pirate island way back in the Bible days. And there were new churches of people coming to faith and they were trying to put in together, etc. So you had all sorts of women that were in those churches. You can imagine how many of them might have been abused sexually and maybe even involved in trade, uh, sex trade, traffic, all of that. It was a bad island and they were coming to faith. And now they're going to hear a message that's going to lift them up, but also position them in a special way. So think about that. It's also the second chapter of three chapters in Titus. The main phrase, if you want a phrase, in Titus is just the simple phrase, good works. It's mentioned once in chapter 1, twice in chapter 2, three times in chapter 3. You'll find that in chapter 1 it talks about good works or the truth, living, living it out, good works in the church. Chapter 3 is living out good works in the world. But we're in chapter 2. And this is living good works out mostly in the home or on the job. So it deals with the day-to-day life experiences of living good deeds. Now again, for you guys, and I'm, I'm part of all of this, is that while we're talking about verses 1 through verse 5, it actually starts out by giving a responsibility or a command to the guys. So the guys are vitally connected to this passage although I'm kind of centering it down on the woman's part. And why? Because it is Mother's Day today. And I want to leave you mothers with a a gift from the Lord, a special teaching for you in your world. Now let me tell you something, because some of you are smart enough, you're going to say, you're going to talk to me about women and what we should do. You're a guy. Well, the last time I checked, I am. And I plan to be one until the day that I die. What makes it even more interesting is that this was a letter from the Apostle Paul, man, to Titus, man, speaking to the church, but now specifically to women. So you might be saying, how in the world is that? Why would I want to listen to a man tell me about feminine context stuff, all right? Well, let's go back and raise it up even further. Whatever Paul is sharing, he is getting that from God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, it might come through the voice of a man, and even my voice of a man, not that I'm an apostle or anything. It is still truth coming from God. So perhaps just lay aside for a moment that it was Paul, a man, speaking to Titus, a man, who then has now a man teaching you this today, this morning, and just sense, this is coming from you, Lord. So if you could, obviously, I want you to lean into the message and say, Lord, what in this message could I take home? What would be my take-home point for me? Now, those of you that are ladies that are not mothers, you too may think you're on the sideline and think this is not for you. I imagine there are women today that thought they'd never get married, and now they are married. And there are some that are married today that wish they weren't. I get that, you know. But at the same time, there's still something in here that we can apply to our life. And you're going to see how that fits in in just a few moments because I really want to add value to your life. Now, the title of the message I called is The Beauty of Christian Womanhood. Now, that's a nice title in Christian and particularly godly women. They embrace that title. They like that, The Beauty of Christian Womanhood. But if I was on any late-night talk show and I wanted to talk about the beauty of Christian womanhood, I have to tell you that I would be so slammed, so attacked for all three of those phrases. First of all, just talk about womanhood, women power. What do we need to even have gender at all? We're gender neutral. So the whole issue of femininity or womanhood, I would be attacked because I believe there is a gender identity separation. 
And then I talk about Christian women. Well, just being Christian is bad enough, but being a Christian woman, well, that must mean you're nothing more than a slave. That must mean that you're beat down. And they develop all these caricatures that other shows have now shown that is dramatization of things that aren't true, assumptions, place it upon that. So now I'm attacked if I talk about womanhood. I'm attacked if I talk about Christian womanhood. Then if I throw up beauty of Christian womanhood, oh my word, by then now I'm trying to take this Christian woman and I'm now trying to fashion her a special way, make her a special kind of Christian woman when I talk about that. And so that's what the world would do, but I would like to say to the world that if there was ever a culture that took women who were totally degraded from top to bottom in a culture, it was the Bible days culture that God then spoke to the women and to the men to raise up the women for their life work. They raised them up in importance, in value, in respect, and hammered the men to be protective and providing for women, whether they were married or not, to make sure that these women were seen as being beautiful, Christian women designed by God in His mind before they were designed by God as a woman in their mother's womb. So that being the case, I'm standing here in a very safe environment. I know this is going to go everywhere, but at the same time, you're very safe. So right now, just sit back, open up your spirit, open up your mind to the Word of God, and let's see what the Lord might have for all of us in this great truths that He has. I believe it would be very, very important. And now let me just speak to a moment again about how the world would attack the beauty of Christian womanhood. If we went on any particular talk show today, they would be really lambasting women. And I really feel badly for that because they don't understand what God has to say to us and the importance of it. So let me take you now to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Those of you who have notes, you can easily follow along. Those of you who do not, you can follow along in your Bible. I'm also going to add to that verse 10, as you're going to see what I mean by that. In verse 1, it talks about this. It says, but as for you... In other words, Paul just got finished talking to Titus to talk to others. Now he says, but for you now, Titus, I want you to speak things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Let me pause on that for a moment. So he's about ready to say, now, you're going to be leading these people. You're to plant churches. So while you're developing leaders, while you're planting churches, while the island is being gospelized or Christianized, I want you to speak the things concerning sound doctrine. But it's a little more than that. It throws the word fitting for sound doctrine. Those of you who have a King James Version, it would see that which would be becoming sound doctrine. So when I look at the word fit, that means what you do, what you, how you live your life. These truths, they will fit sound doctrine. They will become sound doctrine. Now, I don't mean they actually become sound doctrine, but they make sound doctrine, here it is, beautiful. It really fits. Have you ever said to your wife, honey, that, that dress is very becoming of you? Now, that doesn't mean the dress kind of hangs in the closet, walks around the room by itself. It means that dress accentuates your wife. Now, obviously, with other verses that talk about modesty, it's not to show off the immodest part of your wife, but that which is inside, the choices that she made, the color, the arrangement, the purpose that she purchased the, the, the garment, however it is, it is honoring who she is, and she wears that. When we say that is a very fitting dress for you, or a very fitting slacks on you. We're not saying how tight they are, how loose they are. What we're really saying is that, that that's you. That's you. And when we say that's you, we're really saying you have chosen that to accentuate the woman from the inside out. 
And when you drop down to verse 10, it says that this will adorn you, which is an interesting phrase because it's spoken out of slaves and there to adorn with their life sound doctrine. And that word is the word arrange, cosmos, we get that word. And we get the word cosmetics from it. And I thought, what a strange use of the word to slaves. So it must mean women slaves, there's a phrase, go with that. Male slaves, it doesn't really single out with it's masculine or feminine. It just says that you arrange yourself. It's like cosmetics. It's what you do. It accentuates the real you. Now, you could take what I'm saying and go to almost any mall, for sure, any beach, and you're right. Whatever the woman is, woman is wearing, it is going to fit them. It's going to become them. It's going to reveal who they are. So if they're dressing immodestly, inappropriately, it's going to let you know what's going on on the inside. And so here it's saying, different by what we wear, our lifestyle, now that's key, our lifestyle is going to become sound doctrine. In other words, we are showing to the world how great sound doctrine is. Are you still with me? Let me go a little bit deeper now. The phrase sound doctrine, actually it's the word healthy doctrine. Now in studying all of this, I thought about that's an interesting choice of words, sound or healthy doctrine. It will really personify healthy doctrine. Well, if, if you were ill today... And I hung around you, and you coughed into your hand, and I shook your hand, and I scratched my face, picked my nose, hope I don't do that, but at least in public. Anyway, so I do all of that. Those germs are going to go into my system. Your sickness will affect me. What's unfortunate, though, is that if I'm healthy and you're sick and I shook your hand and you took your hand and you scratched yourself, and whatever my health went into your system, you still won't get well. Physicalness, I cannot make you healthy or well. All that being said is, the unique thing about doctrine is it can take a spiritually sick individual, frankly, a spiritually dead individual before he's even sick, and provide life and health for them. So since there's power in sound, healthy doctrine, then I want to adorn it. I want to become it. I want to fit it. I want to make sure that I'm accentuating that in my life by how I, watch this now, live my life. So that's really the backdrop of what we're saying here to the women here is that this is our way to really honor the Lord. One person said this. I wrote it down. I, I don't even know who said it. I thought it was so good, and it goes like this. Ladies, I think you might appreciate it. Put on the lipstick of a kind tongue, blush of purity and innocence, a foundation of godliness, eyeliner of compassion, and mascara of sincerity. And so here's what I would hope for you today, ladies, that when you leave, you will leave with a bag full of spiritual cosmetics with an irresistible spiritual attraction that will catch the eyes and the mind of the lost world beyond our doors here for the glory of the Lord. And I pray that for us today, for all of us, and we men will provide that to help them. Now, you ladies... I'm going to compartmentalize you. I know this may be a little difficult, but I'll try to do this. I, know, I don't want to put you in boxes just to make you feel like you're in boxes, but I want to show you that your life is in different boxes, and these truths need to be applied in each of these boxes. Now, here's box number one, ladies. You are a person. I don't care if you're married and have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and all of that. You are a person. So I want you to know that I separate you from all the other clutter of humans in your life, and it's just you and you alone before God as a person. Number two, besides being a person, you may be married now. So we're going to put the word partner in there. So when I use the word partner, a lot of these truths will be applied in your relationship of marriage. Those who are not married, just personhood. Those who are married, it's personhood because you've got to take care of you so that you can be proper in your partnership. 
But maybe you're not just a partner because this is Mother's Day. So now you're a parent. Now, you can be a parent of a child that's already in heaven for whatever reason, or you can be a parent of an adult child. And if you're a grandparent, obviously you are. So now you're a parent. So look at yourself as a mama, as a grandmother, as a great-grandmother, as a mother-in-law. Perhaps we could say a mother-in-love, all right? Person, partner, parent. And number four, this might fit in there somewhere with some of you, and that would be those of you who are professional ladies, who are, and I mean that in the sense that you're out there working, besides working at home. Now, that may be that you have to work because you're a single parent. I get that. But at the same time, you're out there, and so beyond your role as a person, partner, or parent, you're still out in the wild, wicked world, and how do you manifest godliness out there in that kind of a world? So you're providing through your professional work out there, whatever that might be. So look at yourself with that. Now, with all that being said, I'm going to extrapolate from this passage four principles that we might be able to take with us when we leave here today. So ladies, let's look at these now. Number one, what should I do if I want to be a beautiful Christian woman? Number one, I will accept my mission, or in this case, accept your mission. Ladies, did you know that you do have a mission in life? Now, you'll hear so much teaching that it should be to glorify the Lord. I will not take away from that. That is absolutely foundational. That is what will sustain you as a Christian woman, is your foundation on doctrine in Christ and your love for Him. However, we have to ask the question then, um, if I have a mission, it's to glorify the Lord. I get that, but what's the feminine context of glorifying the Lord? Titus chapter 2, 1 through 5, predominantly. So now you answer the question by saying, how do I love the Lord? Let me show you through this passage. And the first thing you need to do is to accept that you have a mission. So I'm going to ask you ladies, do you know what your mission is in life? Not just glorifying the Lord, but how you're going to do that. What is your mission? Why are you on planet Earth? Why are you here today? Why are you a person, parent, partner, and professional person? Why are you? Did you know you even had a mission? Do you know what your mission is? One of the things that we taught at a men's retreat that I was at recently was that writing your own personal mission statement, putting it up somewhere, owning it in your heart, making sure that you could run it through the grid of Scripture. Well, if you wanted to have a mission statement as a woman now, a man could not write this statement, but a woman could. What would be your mission statement? It would be the very passage that we are working through today, Titus chapter 2 mostly verse 1 through verse 5. That would be your mission statement. But if you will, look at verse 3 and 4 because I think the heartbeat of your mission statement is found in this passage. Chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, and I'm going to read it to you. It said, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, You'll notice that I bolded a couple of words here so that it would kind of pop out to make it real simple. Your mission, ladies, is to teach the young women. Would you say that with me out loud? Teach the young women. So if you're ever wondering, why am I here? I don't even know where I'm going. I'm so scattered. i got so much that I have to do. If you need to really reduce it to something, remember what should be driving you is to bring glory to the Lord by fulfilling the mission of teaching younger women. Now, there are a couple of ways you can teach them very generally. One is going to be by your modeling, by just being a godly, godly woman in front of them. They will really catch it more than they'll be taught it, so model it. Number two might be to mentor them by spending time with them in an agreed-upon 
uh, program, if I could use that word, or ministry of connection. The word sometimes is used discipling or discipleship, and it is that, but it's going to be in a particular area of discipleship as well. It's also going to be to help them to manage their life as a person, partner, parent, and provider. And then also to minister to them, to see yourself surrounding other gals that are out there, and you want to serve them in their role of the beauty of Christian womanhood. So while you have your responsibility, I know to to the Lord and to your own family, but I want you to know, ladies, you have a purpose in life. Your purpose, your mission is to teach younger women. Now, there's a lot to answer with that phrase because there's a bunch of questions in there, and I'm going to help you through this passage. I think it'll answer enough of those questions that we'll feel like, hey, I can do that. I I, I can do that. So that's what's important. Now, I'm not taking away other factors that you might have in your life, but that's your responsibility. Now, listen carefully when I say this. Older women, their responsibility is to teach the younger how to be good persons, partners, parents, and providers. So that gives you a lot of areas to work on. You younger ladies that are listening to me now, your responsibility is to listen and learn from them. Let me say that again. Listen and learn from them. Now, in order for you to listen and learn from them, it means that you have to develop a relationship with an older woman. Stop doing some of the things that you're doing that's really good. So you have time to do that, which is really great. So you need to put yourself... Then when you do, you need to listen when they're speaking more especially when they're helping you in the biblical area as a person, partner, parent, or provider. Listen, learn from them. Spend time with them. Realize that while their job is to teach you, it's assumed that your job is to learn. So while it doesn't say in here, younger women learn from the older people, why would God say the older women are supposed to teach if if it doesn't come with the, uh, the, the right shoe or the left shoe that you're supposed to learn? So maybe from you, the very younger ladies in here, which you'll be learning what you're going to be taught in a moment here, your first step is saying, Lord, I want to do this. This is a mission. Their mission is to teach me. My mission is to learn from them. Lord, help me now to make my schedule amenable to their schedule. Lord, guide that woman. Train that woman who's going to train me how to train me, how to lead me, how to teach me to do this. So, Lord, I'm bathing. I'm soaking this whole adventure in prayer, knowing that it's not to take away my fun, it's to release me to celebrate the very life that you want for me. So it's a real positive step as you look through this. So younger women, I I really want to encourage you. I've been in this church two years now, Carol and I have been, and this church is loaded with a boatload of women who are walking with the Lord. Some of them might need to have some special training on redesigning what they teach, not who they teach, what they teach and how they teach younger women. But at the same time, they are there for you. You have a plethora of folks that you can lean on. There's no one's perfect. Doesn't always have to be the personality, connection, chemistry, but they're there. God has really blessed you with that. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, where are the girls learning most of that? That's a conversation to have when you go home. Where are the young ladies of today learning how to be godly or just to say persons, partners, parents, providers? I think most of them are learning from every part of culture they can. They can learn it on the view. They can learn it on the talk. They can learn it on the chew. I think there's a program out that now. They got one, uh, maybe, I don't know, called the Squawk Box. Whatever it might be, they're being mainlined 
through their literature, through their DVDs, through YouTube, through Facebook, through what they're hearing in the girls' locker room, how to live their life. That's what they're getting out there. And the older women, uh, they're struggling with that. But I would like to encourage you, young, you older women to remind them of the commitment that they need to make. Younger women today are taught, if you're not happy or satisfied with that old goat of a husband, just leave him. And here's the big phrase they use. After all, you, you have the right to be happy and don't let anybody take it away from him. And you go after that happiness no matter what. That's what they're taught. They're not taught that it's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. That's going to keep you going. I've committed to the Lord, to this vow, to this person. It would be nice if some of you older women had the opportunity to go to the younger women and share some of your problems with them and say something like this, I know you're going through some really tough times, but obviously I have gone through more and bigger than you have only because, only because I am older than you and I've made it. I rejoice in the Lord. I have rest with God. I feel I have purpose in life and I didn't have to abandon his values to get it. The world says that the pregnancy is unplanned and simply destroy the evidence. The older spiritual woman might respond, the circumstances which surround pregnancy do not determine the value of that child. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.